Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's go over to 1 Corinthians 12. And last week we left off, uh, we actually finished up with interpretation of tongues. Um, and we're, we just got through the vocal gifts. And so we're going to break into what are commonly called the power gifts. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. The title of the series that we're in is Do Not Quench the Spirit. And this is actually the 15th message in the series. So if this is your first time, welcome, but I'm not going to review. Because <laughs> we'll never get where we need to be. But the good thing is, is we have a website, and you can go back and listen if you want to catch up of, on what we've uh, talked about up till this point. We're talking about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, it's been good. We've really been... I've been enjoying seeing things I haven't seen before. Um, and so we're going to talk about the power gifts. So if you're, if you're taking notes, um, you, could, you could write this uh, for, the, for the heading for tonight, uh, the power gifts. Or we could say it this way, the gifts that do something. The power gifts or the gifts that do something. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 um, is where we're going to start, but the power gifts are special faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healings. So the power gifts are special faith, working of miracles, and gifts, plural, of healings, plural. How many have ever been healed before? Okay, so we've had lots of healings. Uh, I know the I know the Lord. Um, sometimes people don't realize this, uh, but He actually does things for people they they don't even realize. And when they're not even His kids, they're not even saved. They, the Lord does stuff for for people, protects people. I know. Looking back over my life, um, there were definite times where somebody was praying for me. You know, like losing sleep praying for me. You know. Uh, because I got out of situations that I shouldn't have. Um, and the Lord rescued me out of situations that I, I shouldn't have. And so we're, we're talking about these gifts, and God is so good. He's so merciful. And you're going you're gonna to love this. You're going to like to see um, how these gifts operate together. But we're going to talk about first special faith tonight, or the gift of faith. Special faith or the gift of faith. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, To another... Faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. In the mirror Bible, it says this, yet another person is inspired with a gift of faith in the same spirit. In the uh, New Living Translation, it says the same spirit gives great faith to another. In the uh, Living Bible, it says he gives special faith to another. So the gift of faith or special faith could be defined as this. The manifestation of the spirit of this manifestation of the spirit of God gives someone the ability to believe without a trace of doubt. The gift of faith or this manifestation of the spirit of God gives someone the ability to believe without a trace of doubt. 
it would be operating on God's level of faith. How many would like that? You say, what is God's level of faith like? He said, let there be light, and there was. You and I have said to things, stop in the name of Jesus, and it didn't happen. <laughs> not because it shouldn't or there's not enough power. It's just our faith at times wasn't where it could have been, okay, or maybe should have been. But that's the God level of faith. This gift to me has been probably the most challenging out of the three because miracles I can kind of wrap my head around. You know, healings, a healing, I can wrap my head around that. But faith is a different thing, and especially when it comes to the gift of faith. And finding examples of it was difficult. It was difficult. Even in the definitions of some of the books that I was reading and, and looking at and trying to hear what God was saying about it, I, I think I got a good opening grasp on it. But I've never operated in it. Not yet. And I don't know that I've ever seen anybody operate in it. But I've seen people operate in the other gifts. And how many know through experience... Uh, when you see somebody uh, operate or demonstrate a gift of the Spirit or something spiritual, it helps with your grasp of that thing. Are, 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 you, are some of you like me, you got to learn by doing a little bit? I mean, you can read it and you can look at it, but you really didn't learn it until you did it. I'll just prove it to you like this. I was a finished drywaller. Some of you have watched a YouTube video and tried to do it. But I still could show you how to do it. <laughs> and you would have much less sanding than what you had. <laughs> See, it hits home. It just it settles in there. I, I was a painter. Some of you think you were because you painted your mom's kitchen, but you ain't. <laughs> if you want to learn, Mike might hire you. Okay, so. <laughs> so. But the gift of faith is the manifestation of the Spirit of God and it gives someone the ability to believe without a trace of doubt. Now, that's tough for us to conceptualize in our head. Because there's doubt all around us. We live in an atmosphere of doubt. Fear, unbelief, curse. I'm believing God for... For, uh, and expecting and desiring all these things to operate in all of our lives as the Spirit of God wills. A, the gift of faith is a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit, which is imparted after the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit wills. The Passion Translation in their comments concerning it, their commentary says this, this is the supernatural power of faith released in a believer to do the miracle works of God on the earth. The miracle works of God on the earth. In Brother Hagin's book uh, concerning spiritual gifts, those who possess the gift of faith believe God in such a way that he honors their word as his own. And he miraculously brings it to pass. The gift of faith is a gift given by the Holy Spirit to the believer so that he might receive miracles. 
The working of miracles is the gift of the Spirit given to the believer so that he might work miracles. One gift, the gift of faith, receives. The other gift does something. One gift is passive. It receives. The other gift is active. It works. When you uh, notice that the scripture says to another the working of miracles in 1 Corinthians 12.10. When you perform a miracle, that's working a miracle. But when you receive a miracle, you don't work it. That's the gift of faith in operation. We must remember also that these power uh, gifts are very closely associated. Just as the revelation gifts are closely associated and the utterance gifts are closely associated. In other words, when I look to the scripture and I look at like the vocal gifts, diverse tongues, prophecy, the interpretation of tongues, they intermingle. In fact, sometimes it's hard to kind of space them out. Well, when it comes to the gift of faith, the working of miracles and healings, it's really hard to space them out. Like give you one scripture that says this is what it is. Can you just imagine raising the dead? That's all three. You got to have the gift of faith in operation. It's got to be a working of miracles. They're dead. And if there was a sickness there, they're going to have to be healed. Otherwise, they're dying again. So what do they do? They work together, right? So as these go along and as you look at them and as, you, as we get down even to the last three uh, later on, you'll, you'll see everything just works together. It flows together. The three groupings of gifts as we have divided them tend to work in their groupings when they are in manifestation. We divide them up individually in order to better define them. When the gift of faith is in operation, there is no trace of doubt. This gift is for receiving. In the book Foundations for Pentecostal Theology, the four-square book, that's their doctrinal book, it says nearly all writers of the gifts refer to the gift of faith as special faith. The reason for this is that the gift of faith differs from saving faith and normal Christian faith. All faith is alike in nature. But the gift of special faith differs from other faith in degree and in application. Special faith works often in conjunction with the gifts of healings and miracles. Donald G. in his book said this in his book concerning the gift of faith said this. It would seem to come upon certain of God's servants in times of special crisis or opportunity in such mighty power that they are lifted right out of the realm of even the natural or ordinary faith in God and have a divine certainty put within their souls that triumphs over everything. Triumphs over everything. That, those, are descriptions of the gift of faith. I'll put it to you like this, and I'm going to say this again later, but... You cannot doubt when the gift of faith is in manifestation. Now, I would like that to be every day, all day. But it's not. It's a supernatural gift as the Spirit of God wills. Okay? So, let's let's just look at four different kinds of faith. 
The first one is saving faith. We'll end with special faith again, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on that because I just gave you a bunch on it. But I just want to give you a couple of scriptures here to kind of help divide it out in your thinking so you can identify these. The first is saving faith, and we see this in Ephesians 2.8 and in Romans 10.17. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Romans 10.17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Saving faith is... The faith by which we are saved is a gift of God. It is imparted to us through the word of God. So it comes by hearing the word. You might call it, and we'll actually get into this, but saving faith and maybe even general faith are about the same thing. General faith is the next one. And general faith every believer has. So you say, what do you mean saving faith? If I said to you, for God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If I speak that word to you, not because I say it in and of myself, but because the Lord said it here, encased within that word is a faith that will germinate in the heart of someone who is open to God speaking to them. On the inside of them, they'll hear the word here, but it'll travel into the inner man, not the blood pump, not the heart, but the spirit of man, the true self on the inside. It will get down inside the soil of of the spirit of a person that's open, and it'll begin to move and operate and break forth like a seed would in soil. You can't see it at first, but it happens when people aren't even realizing it. They'll hear a word, and inside they'll go around. They may not express it on the outside but they'll go around going what is that why is that on the inside what is going on and it's the combination of the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that is in the earth today working in the hearts and minds of the people whether they believe it or not the word of God is powerful and active it's moving it's operative It doesn't sit idle. The the word of God never has a day where it's down and feeling powerless. Because when God speaks a word, oh, it changes the atmosphere. Everything shifts from the dull mundane. And what happens is the curtain of the natural, and whether you see it naturally or not, within the eyes of every, every person in their heart, the curtain of the natural begins to move away. When you hear the written word, light comes and it, and it expands your ability to see beyond what you see into the reality of the unseen. The eternal becomes tangible, becomes real, becomes open. That is what faith is in, that's the faith that's inside the word of God. So when you hear that, come on, when I heard, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. I decided I wanted to quit being numb and I wanted to be free. 
You say numb, yeah. The world numbs themselves with natural things. Christians, like, uh, like at, uh, the, how many have seen the, cho- you know, the Chosen show? Philip says, we're not among the sleepers. We're awake. That's why I don't pick sides in natural issues that man conjures up by influence of the devil. Because God looks down and goes, I want them all saved. I'm not saying I condone sides either. But how many are thankful that the Lord sought you out and saved you Instead of pick sides and killed you. <laughs> so that's, that's saving faith. General faith. General faith. Romans 12.3 says this. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. This general faith can be increased as Christians feed on the word of God and exercise in it. In the arena of life. We can all have this ever increasing general faith. The gift of faith however is one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit given as the Holy Spirit wills. Furthermore, general faith is the faith by which we ordinarily receive answers to prayer. For example, we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith. We receive answers to prayer by faith because Jesus said, Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Mark eleven twenty four. Many of us received answers to prayer by faith, general faith, even before we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. These answers came because we believed God by faith. But that is not the same as the gift of faith in operation. In fact, the gift of faith had to be in operation in order to get an answer to prayer, to receive healing for the body, or to have financial need, if it did have to be in operation. Then we could never get any prayers answered until after we had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And even then, the Spirit would have to to be within His will. The third type of faith is the fruit of faith, and we see this as faithfulness in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, or goodness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. While the fruit of the Spirit are the while the fruits of the Spirit are for the development of the Christian of Christian character, the gifts of the Spirit are produced to produce power in a believer's life. But that what we see here is one of the fruits is faithfulness. Faithfulness is one of the gifts. And then, of course, special faith, which we talked about. The, this is the best way at this point. I give myself room to grow. <laughs> this is the best way I understand the gift of faith. When the gift of faith is in operation, there is no fight of faith. In other words, when the gift of faith is in operation, you cannot doubt. You know that you know that you know that you know that you know. 
When the gift of faith is in operation, whatever is spoken or desired by the individual being used in this gift will come to pass. Whether it be an utterance by God or man, a miracle, assurance, curse or blessing, creation or destruction, removal or alteration, it will ultimately come when it, when it has been spoken by this gift of faith. It seems like the, this gift could be in operation when God needs something done and wants to make sure it does not get messed up by humanity. That's how I felt like the Lord said that to me today. I use this gift this way at times, Sean. Now, you people are not going to screw this up. <laughs> how many realize God does it perfect? We mess it up. So the gift of faith, it seems like, is in operation this way. Examples in recent or more recent years of the gift of faith in operation. If you've never read any books about Smith Wigglesworth, go find them. You'll never be bored. I've got like 10 of them. There is the account of Smith Wigglesworth raising his neighbor from the dead. You'd want to live next door to him. He stated concerning the raising of his neighbor from the dead, he stated, I got as far as I could with my own faith, Wigglesworth said, and then God had hold of me. Oh, it was such a laying hold of, he said, that I could believe for anything. The faith of the Lord Jesus laid hold of me, and a solid peace came into my heart. The man returned to life. Another case Wigglesworth told about was a woman who died immediately after Wigglesworth prayed for her healing. I find this amusing. You know, you're praying for healing, the person dies. Most people give up. Not Wigglesworth. Nope. Oh, you, he says, you want to play that way, devil. Okay. <laughs> he said this. He was praying for a woman who died immediately after his prayer. He said, you may think what I did was absurd. Wigglesworth said, but I reached over into the bed and pulled her out. So if you've ever seen pictures of, he was an Englishman and he was big. He had, I think, a fourth grade education. He wrote a letter to somebody one time, and they, he said, you spelled Holy Spirit six different ways in the letter. And Wigglesworth looked at him and said, what of it? Did you get the point? <laughs> Makes sense to me. He said, I reached over into the bed and pulled her out. I carried her across the room, stood her against the wall, and held her up. <laughs> Wigglesworth commanded the corpse, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke death. The woman's body began to tremble. In the name of Jesus, I command you to walk, he said, and the woman walked. She was restored to life. I might add that right before that, and I didn't write this in my notes, but in reading it, his wife told him not to. 
but he didn't listen to his wife. He just did it anyway. It's, there are, it has been reported that he raised, I think, 23 people from the dead in his ministry. 14 are confirmed. So he probably didn't lie about the others. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you got 14 confirmed and, you know, why make up the rest? That's 14 more than me. How about you? <laughs> I want you to hear this. Brother Hagin said this, and I want you to catch this. This is beyond anyone's ordinary faith. With ordinary faith, we could pull a person, a dead person, out of a bed as Wigglesworth did, stand up the body and tell the corpse to walk. But with ordinary faith, he said, I don't believe that corpse is going to walk. It takes supernatural, a supernatural manifestation of God's power to receive a miracle such as this. It's interesting. Brother Hagin would talk about Smith Wigglesworth. And Brother Hagin had a ministry. I mean, he, they had, he, he would tell story after story after story of people healed, delivered, set free. I mean, people that were on death's door, tumors in their stomach, like out to here, couldn't eat anything, practically dead. And be healed completely of that tumor. I mean, disappear. He shared one testimony about a lady in his church who had arthritis through her whole body. In fact, she had such bad arthritis that the doctors told her you need to pick a position that you would like to be stuck in, basically. And him and his prayer team went over there and prayed for her. And the Lord said to him, move away from her. Everybody move away from her because they were laying hands on her, praying for her. He said, everybody move away from her. And they stood away from her, and he pointed his finger at her and said, I command you in the name of Jesus to get up out of that chair. And he said she literally, the, the Spirit of God picked her up and raised her, levitated her out of that chair. And the lady reached down and grabbed the chair, pulled herself back into it and said, no, I'll die in this chair. And she did. Because she chose not to. You guys, God does not violate free will. You can choose. Choose. We can choose. Brother Hagin went on to say this, and this is the part I really want you to hear. Many times, if we will take a step of faith, ordinary faith, the faith every believer has... When we come to the end of our faith, this supernatural faith will take over. The reason this hasn't happened with a lot of people is because they haven't used the faith they already have. A, a, supernatural things, faith by nature... They require us to get out beyond what we can do. Not just trying things to try things. But allowing God to lead you into something that's beyond you. 
Not for pride reasons, not for uh, position reasons, not for look at me reasons, but because there's such a desire and love for God and a realization of his love for you that you know when he's leading you out beyond what you can do, what you're capable of, you know he's going to kick in. Now that distance could be different for, it will be different for people, every person, depending on where they are. How many have walked with the Lord for maybe 10 or 15 years and you found that he is into stretching? (laughs) He's just that way. You know, he probably believes, well, he does. He believes more in you than you do. And you say, how can he do that, though? Because he knows what he put in. (laughs) I love this about God. The more I understand predestination, it strengthens my faith. You say, what do you mean by that? He already knew I would be here and you would be there right now. He knew it ahead of time. So if I'm in the will of God, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to, and I'm on the path that he has for me, not only is he stretching me, but he's causing you, me, and everyone else around you to intersect all along the way. It's happening. And you're rubbing up against people of faith Come on, he knew where you were going to work and who your coworkers were going to be and who your boss was going to be. Come on, he put me in Tulsa, Oklahoma at an El Chico restaurant. That's a Mexican name for Tex-Mex food because <laughs> it wasn't pure Mexican. The only thing pure Mexican in El Chico was our cook's. And I'm pretty sure most of them were legal, but I don't care. They were great guys. I preach Jesus. to They all love Jesus because they're all Catholic. You know, they had no clue how to live for Jesus, <laughs> but they all love Jesus. And we'd try to communicate because they didn't speak English. And I took high school Spanish and you know how far that goes. <laughs> Not very far. <laughs> But God knew I would be there. He knew who I would be around. He knew who I would influence and who would influence. He knew in advance. Why? He's a miracle worker. It's amazing. And if I will obey and step out in faith and do what he asked me to do, and I understand who I am in him more and more, do you, let me say this. Part of understanding who you are in him requires you to step out when you don't know who you are. When he tells you to do it. And you say, Lord, but if I step out there, I could die. He'd say, trust me, I won't let you. But I could lose everything. He said, or you could gain everything. 
Now that comes through fellowship and knowing him. He won't lead you beyond where you're at. He doesn't say to a baby who's in diapers, now get up and go get a job. <laughs> he knows where you're at. He, he spoons, spoon feeds you opportunity step by step if you'll follow and when we exercise, that's what Brother Hagin's saying here. When we exercise that faith, then we get into ourselves into positions where, hey, you're not so afraid of doing this anymore. Come on, how many used to be afraid of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. But what happens is you learn and you learn and you hear and you hear. And sometimes what you hear offends you. But did you hear an opinion or did you hear the word? Sometimes what you see offends you. That's what, you know why I make the comment all the time. We're like a slippery creek bank around here. How many have ever been to the river or to a creek? Have you ever played around the water, especially when you were a kid? And you found the slippery spot? Your parents tell you, no, don't get wet. First of all, the parents should have never sent you down near the creek. And they send you down there and say, don't get wet. And it's like, why don't you just change their clothes now? Because they're going to get wet. Why? Because how many have walked on rocks covered with moss and mud and you're doing your best to step and step. Well, you come into this church. You can step all careful all you want. But we got it muddy, muddy and slippery everywhere in the spirit. And you will slide in. Now, you may not even like it, but you'll still slide in. You may never come back, but it will hit you. I've been in, we, I was in a Sunday service a, uh, a couple of, maybe a month ago, and the Spirit of God was moving strong and, and, and people during worship and stuff like that, and I'm kind of looking over the crowd, seeing what's going on, and I look back in this section, and there's a gentleman back there, and people are worshiping and stuff, and he's back there going like this. <laughs> I know exactly what he's doing. He's like, what is on me? God. We don't have anything in the basement that we crank up when Joy starts leading worship. <laughs> that we crank up before you come in the door. We have nothing. We don't have anything like that. What we do have is faith in an unseen God who will make himself seen. All he's looking for is an opening of faith. If you let him, if you lay on your bed tonight and, and ask him to reveal himself to you, if you're genuine, you better buckle your seatbelt. Because he will come and he will visit you. He's just looking for hungry hearts. People say, oh, no, God visits special ministers. No, no, he visits anybody. He said, if you seek, 
If you knock, if you ask, ask from a genuine heart. God, if you're real, show me. Just be ready because he'll show you. Acts chapter 3, verse number 1. Examples in the scripture of the gift of faith. Acts chapter 3, verse number 1 says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. He's expecting money. Now, he did get money in a sense. He went from crippled beggar to strong man who can walk and work. Gold. So he says, look at us. So he gave, him their, he gave his attention to them. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What did he have? Faith. He had words to give. What do words contain? Faith. Especially in the name of Jesus Christ. And then he says this. Peter, he says he took him by the what? Right hand. He reached down and grabbed the crippled man's right hand. And what? Lifted him up. And immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, come on, have you ever been sitting down and your foot fell asleep? And when you get up, you're not leaping up? This guy was crippled. He had no feeling in his feet. He had deteriorated muscle. See, you you can read this and you can go, oh, yeah, 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 that's what they did. That's nice, Jesus, you know, that was it. You've got to use your imagination. Instantaneously, bones went back to where they were supposed to go. Nerve endings, tendons, who knows, blood vessels, who knows? All the muscle that was necessary. It was like an instant implant of strength. Like that. To the point, he was walking and, and, well, I guess so. I guess you would too. People say, oh, no, there shouldn't be any emotion, any emotion in the church. People shouldn't jump. You know, they shouldn't, you know, no. 
Now, you Christians, stop being happy. You, you should know this, that, that you should be miserable. You're not allowed to be happy or have any joy until you get to heaven. Because that's where all the joy is contained and you can't have any. Because actually Christians should party better than the world without all the world's stuff. John chapter 11, verse number 1. Now a certain man was sick and named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and, his, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, verse 3, therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he who you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but to the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So he, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Have you ever read that and gone, what? Okay, it's just me. I'll explain to you why I go, what? Because it says he loved them. When you hear someone is sick and it's unto death, do you stay two more days where you are? If you love like Jesus, you might. Oh, God would never do that. <laughs> Looks to me like he would. We have our idea about love, don't we? That's not my point here, so I'll move on. Verse 7, then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going to go there again, and I want to read the rest, but I'm not going to skip down to verse 33. There's a lot of lessons in there, but it's dangerous for me to read it, so skip. Verse 33, therefore... When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. When I was in children's church, I memorized that verse so I could give a verse and get a prize. <laughs> What's your verse, Sean? John eleven thirty-five. Jesus wept. That's right. Okay, here you go. Man, when I was in... No, I better not tell this. Are there any kids in here? I don't see any kids. Are there any kids in here? Little kids? We used to get... I was at Faith Chapel. Don't tell Pastor Stan. All right. I was at Faith... He's not there anymore. It's uh, Nathan Petzl. Pastor Nathan Petzl, I think now. But anyway, so when I was at... at and, and this was when my dad was an associate pastor. We'd get Bible bucks. How many remember Bible bucks? Oh, I identify... I identify. And this, we could take these to the, to the Bible whatever store and get candy or whatever. Me and my friend, huh, we found out a way to steal the Bible books. <laughs> and I think my parents thought I was really good at memorizing verses, but really, I was good at stealing when the teacher wasn't looking. <laughs> yeah, penance. I'm in for penance on that one. <laughs> Okay, where was I? <laughs> Jesus wept. Verse 36, then the Jews said, 
See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? See, these are the conversations people have when they're not in the Spirit. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha very logically said, Lord, of him who is dead, she said, uh, she said, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he's been dead four days. In other words, Lord, we should leave the stone on. <laughs> we, we don't have any deodorizers. You know, this is just like a woman. <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's wisdom, yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's been four days. You know, I don't think Jesus and his disciples were bored all the time and stoic. They laughed. I think Jesus had food fights at the table. People say, are you sure? I remember hearing stories about Brother Hagin. He would. So people would be sitting eating and some, a dinner roll would come flying across the, and hit him in the face. You know, people think God, he's this stuffy, you know, whatever. He invented laughter. God invented the three stooges. <laughs> you and me, Scotty. Yeah, buddy. We are on this. Come on, Red Skelton. Now, I know I'm going back before me. What's that? Way back. He, come on, I'm not saying everything dirty they did, but you think, how many ever watched Robin Williams and thought he was funny? That is a gift of God. Now, it was twisted by the world. I get that and things like that, but that's a gift of God. God's not in heaven going every day with a scowl on his face going, I'm just angry today. All this sin in the world. You know, just he's just the, like the angels are rubbing his hand. Now calm down, calm down. Only a little more time. We're going back. We'll take care of it. No. <laughs> when you tripped and tripped over something, stumbled a little bit, or walked around all day and then looked in the mirror and saw a booger hanging out of your nose. God was laughing. You should laugh with him. How did I get off on that? Okay, we got to... All right. Jesus said to her, did I not... Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? Hello, key to seeing the glory of God right there. You have to what? Believe. In other words, Martha, stop thinking about the smell and stop, start believing for the resurrection. They took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. How do you think he came out? He was bound. So what did he do? That's what he did. What is that? The gift of faith. One more. Luke chapter 7, verse number 12. By the way, if you ever look over that Luke or that uh, John 11 portion of that, just so you know, I don't believe Jesus was groaning inside because he was crying because of what was going on. I believe it was his spirit going, mm, I'm going to kill death. I'm going to destroy death. I'm going to put on a display of what I think of the power of death and the devil. And he, he, he reversed what the devil had put into effect in Lazarus' life. If you want a reverse of death in your life, you have to have resurrection power come in. Luke chapter 7, verse number 12, last verse for the gift of faith. Next week, we'll pick up on the working of miracles. says this, And when he, had, when he came near to the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had what? Compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Doesn't that seem like strange words at your son's funeral? You say, do you always think like this? Pretty much. There's one thing I figured out about God. He doesn't look at things like we do. He doesn't. He understands our point of view. But if people would get past the, their faith in his understanding and comforting and get their faith into his eyes come get their faith to where they would listen to what he says, which is come up here and look at it from my perspective. Now let's do something different. We would see more miracles. Verse 14, then he came and touched the open coffin. And those, imagine this at, your, at a funeral. <laughs> I can feel it. People's minds, we do this. They go, you say, imagine this at a funeral, and they go, urch. No, that never happens. And yet we have a record of it happening. And not just a record here. There's record today. Uh, how many years ago did you pray that for that lady with the issue of blood? It was years ago. It was probably eight years ago. My wife prayed for, she was bleeding, uh, female bleeding, okay? Couldn't figure, the doctors couldn't figure out why it wouldn't stop. She had been bleeding for how many weeks? Three? I think it was three or four. Something like that. We were over, you were over at Park Hill Assembly doing the, the women's thing over there. Heidi prays for her. It stopped the next day? Yeah. The doctors can figure out how to get it stopped. You know what God does? He looks at it and goes, eh. off. <laughs> That's what he does. Come on, you've got to let your mind go here. 
People say, I don't know, I don't want to be disappointed. Disappointed in who? Come on, our natural mind fights us. I'm not saying that's you. I'm saying that's the, the nature of this world. That's the na- We're trained to think that way. He touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God. I've noticed something about Jesus' miracles. Do you know what I notice? They never glorify the devil afterwards. You ever notice that? They always glorify who? God. Can you imagine? Okay, the funeral's going on. Somebody stops it, puts their hand on the open coffin, and says, young man, get up. The young man sits straight up and starts talking. I wish they would have recorded what he said. This is how I think. I want to know what he said. Did he sit up and go, oh, that was a trip. I mean, what would you do? You pop up. You look around. You're in a coffin. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you pull a mark. I'm back. Oh, my goodness. I mean, gift of faith. Should we believe God? Let's all stand and we'll pray and we'll declare to the Lord before we go that we want and we desire these things and we're open. And people say, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) I'd like to see that. But we're going to go beyond just I'd like to see that to expect it. Right? How many realize this, that when the Spirit of God moves and miracles happen, things like that, we, like especially if you're zealous for the Lord, I did this. I would read the book of Acts or read about Jesus, and I'd tend to read around all the persecution. (laughs) And suffering that he went through. So when you ask for these things, you're not only, you're believing God because you love him. He wants to move in your life. And when you ask for these things, you're, you, we get the, the joy, the expectation when we see and have it, we get all the good emotion that goes with it, plus all of those things. But we also need to realize we will get persecuted for it. Now, I, I'm growing in this area more and more and more, and it takes time uh, to grow in these things. But learning to set your heart to God's approval, not man's. Have you ever shared Jesus with somebody and they just totally shut you down? Oh, I've had it happen so many times. I would, at, when I, at first I would go, well, 
That was disappointing. (laughs) Come on, God. But remember, Jesus was here, and they spit in his face. We're going to get to this in the working of miracles. They tried to throw him off a cliff. Oh, not Jesus. He was, he, everybody loved Jesus. (laughs) But we want to see miracles. We want to see the gift of faith. Come on. How many, you say, Lord, as you will, I'm open. To have a spirit of faith come on me. A gift of faith, a special faith come on me where I cannot doubt at all. (laughs) I'm not talking about famous preachers. I'm talking about us nobodies that nobody knows. Nobody even cares that we're at church. We're not internet famous. Nobody cares. And God goes, I see faith. Let's go there. Let's work there. Come on, ex-drug addicts. Doing miracles. People say, oh, God would never do that. Yeah, he cast seven demons out of a prostitute. And she became one of his followers everywhere he went. And he didn't go, oh, um, you know, stay a little ways back. I don't want people to know that a prostitute was with me while I was ministering. He didn't do that at all. He said... He, the, the, those that, that he had follow him, the 12 disciples, he had them record her in the book. Come on, think about this. Rahab the harlot was in the lineage of Jesus Christ. See, I know I can get to God. I know it's not by me because I, I was a horrible person. But I know I can get to him. You say, how? How? I put my faith in the perfect son. And he got me in. And now I'm as clean. Uh Uh-oh, listen. Listen, religious people. I'm as clean as him. Yeah, I'm a righteous man. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I go right to the throne. I just run right in there. Where others go, you can't, you can't, you can't do that. I know you. (laughs) I like to say, I know far worse things about myself than you do. (laughs) But I'm not going based on me. I'm going based on him. If I had to go based on me, I would never be able to grow like I was supposed to. I'm not making an excuse for mistakes. Or sins, I'm saying it has to be based on Him. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.